everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 305 being recorded on June 18th, 2014. I'm Ryan Schraub. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Valentano. Uh, so the whole gang's here, but we have a special guest with us as well. Welcome back. Um, Two-year-plus returning yeah. guest, David Hewlett. Hi, David. How are you? Very good. Thank you, PC Per People. Uh, so it's been a couple years since we've talked to you. What have you been up to? What are you doing these days? Uh, I've been focusing on losing as much hair as possible. Okay. Has that been a successful venture for you so far? Very good. It's something I've discovered I'm very, very good at. Um, (laughs) He's catching up. And I think part of that hair loss thing is about to – I've just finished this feature film that I I wrote and directed. So that has been just eating up all of my time. Yeah. And then as a kind of a weird sort of backlash to the whole process of making films and with budgets and and crews and things, I've now sort of taken on this YouTube thing, which I'm just absolutely – enthralled with i just love this immediacy of this thing so basically it's been between youtube feature films and writing and stuff it's been, uh, it's been kind of fun and busy it's it's interesting to see uh what the kind of videos that you have put out on the channel right very you know one-on-one you're talking to a specific audience um and you're doing them fairly frequently as well which i think is is a is a big plus on that particular outlet and it's something we struggle with here is making sure we're putting out enough content to the fans and the user base to yeah. consume it and reply and get feedback and and cycle mm-hmm. through i mean have you seen a good uh response to those videos i mean how how are you uh working with that audience yeah it's a weird thing i mean i've been sort of incredibly sort of selfish about it and that i've just done what i've wanted to do and the numbers have sort of I mean, we'll just see what happens with the numbers, basically. But it's been, I've, I've been surprised, certainly. I, I mean, I, I basically try to put something out five days a week, uh, try to keep the weekends for the Bratlet. You know, there's plenty of Lego and stuff to play with, so I try to keep <laughs> that free. But um, it's just basically, I just wanted to experiment. I wanted to try it. And we were, there's a lot of people in the industry talking about this stuff now and where the whole YouTube thing is going. And none of them are on, none of them are on YouTube. Yeah. Like, truly, like, like none of them. They all have projects that they're working on and they're trying different things but no one had actually sort of gone out like the majority of youtubers and just done something just sort of intimate little personal incredibly easy simple um you know one of the first notes i got was like well you should get a better camera and you need to do and i was like no no, no i don't think i think you're missing the point you know um so uh it's it's funny everyone seems to feel they're an expert on youtube and and uh, <laughs> uh and so few people are actually doing it so I, and I just I love it. I mean, I guess you know I'm, you know I, I I feel like it's just another another fun sort of experiment in a whole new medium that just basically hasn't been explored by by the people in my industry, anyways. Right. So you don't have any real desire to say create an incredibly complicated video set with uh, LED backlighting, uh, LED front lighting. Uh, and an intern, sixteen-channel audio mixers. Yeah, check it out. Uh, that's no, that's what I, I would, look. I would love that, but but it's uh, to me. I feel like you've got it first. You got you guys built an audience first, right? Right. And I yeah. think that's I, I, my big thing on this thing is like you know you shouldn't be spending more than than you're bringing in from from audiences. So um, you know if there's an audience, if an audience dictates that that we can do that, that'd be fantastic. Look, I'd love to do that. I'm like. I, I could I could play with your backdrop for uh, for, for for years. <laughs> you can just you can fly down and uh, you can change all the color yeah. switchers, the Where RGB controls, just throughout it, out. depending on what we're talking about. We're if you're in, angry about something, make it really bright red. We're in Florence, Kentucky. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. I've about, never I've never been anywhere near there. It's about ten minutes south of Cincinnati. Yep. So. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah. 
that that Cincinnati I'm mildly familiar with. But um, uh, no, I sh- I would love to come down and check it out actually because I remember when you guys were doing the crowdfunding and stuff for it. I was yeah. I was I was intrigued. This is the result. Just, this right. is exciting. This stuff yeah. is just very exciting to me. It is, and I, and I think I think like the the very personal kind of communications that you're doing through YouTube are are really awesome. And we do a lot. Of, we do some of those videos as well where Ken's holding up a camera and following me around the office talking about stuff. Uh, and then the fact that we can do like yesterday, we hosted a a interview with AMD's Richard Huddy yep. where yeah, we had you know six seven thousand people come through and watch the stream mm-hmm. and. We had multiple cameras and multiple mics and lighting set up, and we did this for a fraction of the cost oh, yeah. of what you know an actual big studio. time yeah. studios would do. And we're even doing it in reality at a fraction of the cost of what like Leo was doing at the Twit Network. Mm, that's true, right? Yeah. So we're we're downscaling size, and I don't we're losing some levels of quality, but I don't think draft. I mean, you have me on know, there, so that's that's a big drop in quality. There's your quality gone right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. down the drain. He's there to make us look better. People keep sending me petitions <laughs> that's to get He's rid of the them. Poor model. Yeah, just, you know, I, I were cheap, so I heard. But that. I think that's but that's what I love. I, I saw these guys talk in Can. There's a bunch of guys, a bunch of these like. I mean, I would call them kids, uh, you know, talking about their channels with like you know six million views and stuff. And one of the great things they said, which really sort of resonated with me, which got me really doing this this video diary stuff was he said he said people keep asking me about quality i mean how do you keep the quality up and he said he said you guys spend one to two million dollars a week on television shows that get seen by one tiny fraction of my audience and you spend you know one to two million dollars i spend uh, like a hundred bucks yeah (laughs) i mean so my quality is in the engagement not in the lighting or the cinematography and stuff and I and for someone working in the industry, that was a complete paradigm shift for me. Or something that I'm so used to, you know, honing and, and working and trying to do all this stuff that, to make everything perfect before it's presented to the world. And you know, advertising and publicists are always trying to hold things back until they're ready to do the launch. Right. And it's completely opposite out there. Like you know, that's that's just not the way it works. And that was so exciting to me. And that's why this kind of stuff. I mean, again, this is why I, I jumped in on the on the on the crowdfunding for you guys because it just it it's this is the hope I think for all all nerds like myself is that you can you know you can be that you know you can take it from the kid in the basement to to yeah. it actually being like a lifestyle. Like there, an, there was an, a crowdfunding. there was a specific video you did uh, maybe a month ago or so about mm-hmm. the perfect being the enemy of the good. Yeah, that's a great quote. I didn't make that up, but right. it's yeah, it's a great quote. And, and and I you know, we I look at that here as well and I try to kind of coach all of our other writers about that, about you know, even if you don't if you hold stuff back too long, it loses relevance, you lose focus on it. If you put something Guilty. out even if it's not perfect, <laughs> you know, mm. you get feedback on it, you iterate on it, yeah. you you update your benchmark suite, you update the products that are included in the testing as you go forward, right? Mm. And uh, I, I feel like that that is a, a mantra that is applied to not just what we do or what you do, but mm-hmm. pretty much anybody. So, so yeah, my, my seventh month review yeah. on a motherboard is is not a good idea. I think it is the enemy. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah motherboards are the enemy of. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, I've taken us off topic. I apologize. No, no, it's that's. That's what we're here. We're just That's here. Why you're here? We're just here talking. So <laughs> I'm here to distract yes. and dissuade you from talking about motherboards. We will. I'm just get, happy there's somebody else hardware. here with slightly more hair than me. 
<laughs> While it lasts. By the end of this, it could all be gone. It, it could. Well, we'll, we'll check yeah. back. We'll check back every time. If you have one of those rubber uh, have a, uh, a skull caps, it's the time to go get it. Yeah. You know, Dr. Evil, do it. <laughs> I'm living it. Yeah. Uh, so if you are, if this is your first time joining us on our live stream or watching the podcast, you should know that we do record the show live at pcper.com slash live on Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. And uh, other time zones, you can do the math and figure that out yourself. Uh, if you are curious and you want to check the schedule, we have it on every page at pcper.com under upcoming events uh, on the right-hand side of the website. And we'll actually give you a timer for the next event if there's nothing live right now. Or you can go to pcper.com slash subscribe, which is what Ken has brought up here for us. And you will see there uh, the ability to give us your name and email address. And we just send you a little notification when we are about to go on a live stream. So we did that yesterday with the Richard Huddy event. And we did that this evening as well with our podcast with David. So give that a look, if you will. Um, now, let's let's go ahead and dive into some of the hardware stuff here, uh, starting with that very interview that we did with uh, Richard yesterday. Um, I thought it was, it was 90 minutes long, yep. almost exactly. We gave away like $3,000 worth of gaming hardware, yep, which yep, never yep. hurts uh, uh, in terms of attendance and engagement. And it was great conversation. It really was. Yeah. It, it I was worried anytime you get a he's not in PR, he is his title is gaming scientist. Right. Which is I love that title though. That is just a great <laughs> I love Would you any, like to be gaming scientist? I mean like how can you lose with that? Any title that you can just basically make up what your job duties are, yeah. like it's not assigned yeah. in that uh, is great. I'm gonna go do I some research. Go to bring your dad to school day with game. the title of gaming scientist. Yeah. Yeah. That that'd be a pretty good pretty good day for that kid. Uh, so we talked about all kinds of stuff, really, and, and I was worried, you know, when you get somebody in, they weren't launching a product, they weren't uh, announcing anything new, they just wanted to have a conversation. Yeah. And they were willing to have that conversation on a live stream, which is fairly rare um, for some of these companies to be that open about Yeah, you kind of get a lot of that raw, just, yeah. I mean, a lot of that was just, that's how he felt about it. Yeah. He wasn't really feeling yeah, that could have gone badly. I mean, he was in a spot, I mean, he had to answer some, you know, there were some tough questions there. There, yeah. were, there were a couple of times where I saw him, like, kind of pause... Yeah, and like I need to, I need to think here. The little devils like, on the shoulder, the devil we, and the angel. Was it the GameWorks? No. The, the one, the one I noticed was the, was it GameWorks? So when you brought that up, that yes. was that was one you could see him struggle, not struggling with, but you could see he was he had to work that one. The gears were turning. Yeah, yeah, gears were turning. Uh, and so you know, we talked about Mantle. We talked about uh, low level APIs. We talked about the the continuation of something like Mantle even after DirectX 12. Uh, and we did talk about GameWorks, yep. which I know David, you said you had done some reading on uh, over this past week, diving into that thread if you will of <laughs> rabbit of, hole yeah it's well because that's that's my i love that stuff i love i mean i my interest in computers just sort of got smaller and smaller and smaller until i was the the idea of like building drivers was very exciting to me and and so you hearing about this solid. stuff now and how far it's advanced from you know from the commodore 64 days is just is fascinating to me so the for, for people who don't know the GameWorks program is an, an nvidia created um piece of software mm -hmm. that essentially acts as a is a middleware application. Okay, it, it is used by game developers to help integrate certain features like face animation or water or certain kinds of ambient occlusion. Hair. Uh, Don't uh, forget hair. Hair, hair, hair very hair. important for Josh yeah. and David. Yeah. Uh, and which he didn't need either, by the way. The AMD Richard, guy, he did, was, Richard yeah. had no use for it. No. It wasn't big for him. <laughs> he gave it all to TrezFX. <laughs> you had to donate it for research, I think, is it how dialed the polygon count all the way down. Faceworks was the one that blew me away, though. The, the Faceworks aspect of, of the GameWorks one was yeah. that 
uh, that is just stunning. You Absolutely. saw some of those videos that they had posted on? Yeah. Oh, like ridiculously it's, gorgeous. It's good stuff, but the catch is it's a prepackaged set of DLLs. Right. Right. It's kind of like a closed box. Like you can use this stuff, you can build it in with your games, but you just have to agree to just stick this kind of prepackaged code right. into your mm-hmm. thing. And you don't know. There's no code. flexibility to it. I mean, you can't. You have some kind of control over it. That's kind of the, that's kind of what's up for debate. That's right? the debate, right? You can, you can don't configure. don't look at the man behind the curtain. Right, right. You can configure right. it, right? But since that stuff comes from one company, the other company's kind of arguing. Well, uh, what if you guys don't necessarily optimize that for our stuff, and a game producer puts it in their game, and now you know AMD cards don't look as good as Nvidia cards. That's kind of what right. the argument is, right? right? The, the way the system used to work exclusively from you know AMD and Nvidia would both put out example code like here's how you can do hair really well here's how Mm -hmm. you can do a forward rendering lighting engine really well and they would post this code uh publicly on in their sdk and you could anybody could go download it right if you were if you were uh you know epic games or you were me or ken you could go download the code and play with it and and run it now with with, okay maybe not you but certainly ken yeah i don't i wouldn't understand it so i can do it and then make it work for me but we could download it uh, I could download it and look at it and go, Ooh, you can totally nice. download it and not do anything with yes. it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The, uh, so what changed with GameWorks is that they package it as DLLs without the source code. Mm-hmm. And they made it less of an SDK and more of a uh, licensable middleware application. And uh, ah. initially developers kind of, some of the major developers had problems with it. And it, and it took pushing from developers and a little bit of, you know, um, wrist slapping i guess from amd yeah. where nvidia started to release the source code to certain developers under certain licenses and and whatever right so the 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 problem that amd had was not that there was any specific instance of nvidia's gameworks code hindering their own gpu's performance mm-hmm. but that there was the potential for yeah, it to it could happen. happen yeah and what did that mean for the industry what did that mean for gamers amd's always been the company to throw out the open and uh, uh, freely available open source model yep. of things. Um, and Sorry, to throw, you mean to, to get rid of it or to embrace it? To embrace it. Yeah, okay. They've always been the one trumpeting out there. So while NVIDIA did PhysX, which is a you know, GPU-accelerated physics package yep. uh, that right. only ran on NVIDIA GPUs, mm-hmm. and AMD would come out and talk about bullet physics, which used OpenCL and would run on all GPUs. And... Uh, the the it was a good idea and it was a good theory right we yeah. we don't you don't you don't people don't want to use physics software that only runs on sixty percent of the market or sixty five percent of the market you want it to run on a hundred percent so yeah. OpenCL would do that the problem is is if you go back and look and and maybe somebody will correct me but I know of way more games that implement physics than implement bullet physics there was a lot, like I I didn't hear even hear about I didn't hear about any and I'm sure there are some. Ooh. Or at least a couple. I don't know if yeah. they're major titles or, or lower, you know, uh, yeah. non everything, titles, everything was physics. Yeah. Like everything you never heard of. Yeah, anything that was actually but, GPU accelerated. Basically, so. yeah. But the problem, I mean, the problem with writing code for these things anyways, though, is it's so low level, isn't it, that they sort of, don't they kind of need to be tied to the hardware? I mean, to truly get the most out of everything, you need to, mm. you need to write for that specific well, that's, hardware, that's that architecture. that's kind of mantle in a nutshell in that you're yeah. – your API is, is close to the metal. Um, if we look at like the past consoles, um, the, the developers were able to just get really, really close to the metal to to mm. extract the most performance without the, with the lowest software overhead. Um, 
but with these, you know, GameWorks and uh, you know some AMD stuff, they have to kind of put it up another notch because, well, Windows and you know I guess Linux, Linux to to a yeah. degree. I mean, operating systems. Uh, you do in the need way, more yeah. software in between there, just because they have to address so much hardware. Yeah. Mm. Now, does Steam come into play in any of this? Is that, that, is that, will these affect any of those? Um, Steam is, no, I mean, that's, that's pretty much at the consumer-facing end, right? If, yeah, if that's, you, if that's you get distribution. Steam OS. Well, that's it? It's purely possibly. just distribution? Yeah, it is, possibly Steam OS. Yeah, so Steam OS is even going at kind of a different angle, right, where the uh, Valve is trying to kind of pull people away from using Windows, Yeah. right, for... Mm about it being a closed ecosystem. I think a lot of it started when Windows 8 first launched and the idea for Microsoft was going to be that all game, all applications, including games, had to come from the Windows App Store. Um, mm. And so Valve was not like a fan of, of that. And so they kind of started the idea of a, of a gaming-specific operating system based on Linux. Yeah. Now, right now, what's Which interesting I about Steam? I think it's I, great. I, I think it's great. But there's no DirectX on Linux. Yep. Uh, Which makes Mantle a great possibility. It that's, makes Mantle a great possibility because right now all you have is OpenGL. And OpenGL is the, is the API that will work with both AMD and NVIDIA and Intel hardware, whoever's using that, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, it, actually, Richard did say on the stream yesterday that they haven't committed 100% to making a Mantle version for Linux, but that, that they are definitely considering it. it if there's I enough mean, people yeah. that want it, yeah. they will make it. Yeah, They're definitely talking about it. Yeah. I mean, we don't have anything solid, but it's a it's a big topic of discussion right now. So that generally makes AMD a little interested. Yeah, it does seem that, to imply that, it was, titles, that there like, might be something in the works, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I, I I'm almost sure they have something working. They're either waiting for a certain uh, like performance level to hit before they announce it, or a certain partnership announcement to hit. Maybe maybe they have it working in Linux, but they don't have. Uh, it working with Steam OS. Maybe they need that Steam OS integration in like a package update before they're willing to come out and kind of announce it and really talk about it. Uh, now, does Steam OS exist yet, or is that still something that we're just talking about? No, it's it's out. The beta right? exists. And is it it's still a, in beta technically? Yeah, it's a beta. Yeah. It's free. You can download it. You can install it. Yep. We, we did that. And it runs on, on what? It'll run on anything, yeah. really. It, uh, so when they first shipped out their prototype Steam machines, it was running on a Haswell processor and an NVIDIA GTX yeah. graphics card. Anything that, can, quality anything that can run Linux, conceivably, you could compile that and run on. I mean, you don't even have to compile I'm it. I'm going to run it on Spark. They already have packages for Yeah, they have packages most, you can install it. Yeah. Yeah, packages for um, right. pretty much anything you'd have. So it's a thing, but it, no one is actually selling a Steam machine. Right. Yet. Uh, yet. Yet. Right. So a lot of partners were announced at CES that would that would eventually sell Steam machines, mm-hmm. but Valve, in their kind of typical fashion of "we'll do it when we're damn ready," uh, is holding everything back. Right. So and actually, I know a lot of these system vendors. That so Half Life Three is going to come out when Steam OS is is out Confirm. of beta. It'll actually only be on Steam OS. Confirmed. That's how they're going to sell it. Confirmed, Confirmed. Yeah, exclusive. It's so. I mean, it, the the whole actually the whole interview yesterday was was really kind of eye opening in other areas. We talked about um, uh, we talked about Mantle and SteamOS and Linux. We went into uh, G Sync versus Adaptive Sync or the Free Sync model that they mm-hmm. had. Uh, I'm actually I'm going to have a, a a news post that goes up tomorrow that kind of looks at the five or six kind of key points that he made that I think are new 
bits of information or at least new-ish yep. that are worth kind of con- consolidating into into a story and linking to those specific time slots in the interview because 90 minutes is a long time to invest. But I think all of the information that is discussed, including questions from the audience, is really compelling. Yeah, it was all very good. Yeah. Well, I thought it was kind of interesting that to that see how much – Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, David. Sorry, I, I, just even just that position that he's got that you know that gaming scientist thing. I just thought that was I thought that was interesting for AMD to make that such a focus. You know that they've actually yeah. they're actually committing a person and 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 resources to making sure that this stuff is is speed, is speaking to the developers. Yeah, and it was it was a new position they created for it. Yep. Right, and, and at the beginning of the video, he details kind of what the goal is to interface between consumers, uh, product developers, and. Uh, the actual software vendors, you know, yep. the, the developers themselves. And AMD has done uh, a good job of acquiring or reacquiring the right talent and the right people. Richard Huddy just being one of them, right? Richard Huddy was at Intel and NVIDIA and ATI and 3D Labs. And online poker. And online poker, yes. <laughs> uh, and then who else did they got back recently, Josh? They've Keller. Got, uh, yep, Keller, Keller on the CPU he's, he's, side. He's the, he's the big guns, yep. literally. And Raja as well. Came back. He works out, dude. He does. He looks like <laughs> Kevin. He looks like Kevin Sorbo. Look up Jim Keller. Get a picture. He's Kevin Sorbo. That claim has been made many times before. Yes. Uh, so you haven't checked out. If you have not checked out that interview, go to pcper.com. Uh, look for the uh, post we did upload the video to our YouTube channel uh, this afternoon. So it is available for you to rewatch as many times as you want. Just loop it if you if you if you feel like it. I guess. But be sure to watch the ad right before. For the full length. Yeah, even if it's a 13-minute ad, which sometimes gets played, like for Intel, uh, like <laughs> Xeon server right. infrastructures. Do you find that, do you find that the, the, do the, do the ads make sense for what you're doing? They are uh, getting better at it. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, although I'm curious how much of it is about the channel versus knowing like my habits on YouTube. Right, knowing more about me, the fact that I am a technologically oriented person. Yeah. Right. Right now, I'm getting yeah, but, tons but of the Verizon ones ads. that are disturbing are the hair club for men and Viagra. You get a lot of those. See, I don't see those, Josh. Now we know. Uh, the yeah. Answer. No, I never get them either. Hmm. Mm. Now we know it's not channel based. It's definitely Google account based. Yep. Got to change some of those statistics on there, Josh. Yeah. Uh, I let's love quickly. I'm watching Minecraft videos, and then up come the most violent video game. You know, ads just before yeah. them because they assume that it's me because he's signed in as me. <laughs> oh, whoops! Yeah, whoops! Yeah, we've seen some odd, <laughs> we've seen some odd videos that come up at the end of a video where it's like you might also like, you know, where it brings up the <laughs> matrix of of videos at the end of one. Yeah, and it's like the thumbnail is pretty much pornographic, and I'm like, this was not related uh, to GPU graphics at all. Like, I don't, I don't get it. I read the some book on channels that, about that would expect you to believe that, though. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I read this thing on the, this the Google, uh, so the history of Google and and their early their early attempts to try to match uh, ads to to things like newspaper articles and uh, and how you know when they would they would report like an airline crash and then in the airline crash ad there would be an ad for you know for for airline flights Whoops. to the same places that had just gone down and stuff so that's trying that to work out those algorithms come fly malaysian air yeah exactly yeah. exactly looking for your dead relatives fly cheap <laughs> it's horrible ancestry.com yeah <laughs> oh we're all going to hell yeah yes. pretty much oh, i think we're already there pretty much <sighs> uh, let's talk about uh, josh you posted a review of the gigabyte G1 Sniper A88X 
This is an FM2 motherboard. It's got Sniper in the name. Tell me what that means and, and why. It's, it's mass hypnosis. I didn't actually write a thing. I've been working on that for the past seven months to effectively make everybody think that it's there and it's not. So what you're reading is really what you think about it. Oh. Does that explain it all? Did your, one of your sons write this? He's like Inception. <laughs> yeah. He's planted a sniper Deception. in our head. Oh. Anyway. So tell me about so the So anyway, the Gigabyte. <clears throat> I got this thing right next to me. Great. Yes, you can see my shoulder very, very well in my dirty office, but like that has changed. So this is the uh, the G1 Sniper A88X, based on the AMD A88X chipset. Uh, it's their latest and greatest chipset. It's the well, it's actually it's just it's a Southridge anymore. Right. It's got eight SATA six G ports. It's got four USB oh. 3.0 native that they. Uh, License from Renaissance. Uh, you know, it's it's AMD's an interesting place right now with with FM2 Plus. They they cannot charge a premium for the product that they have because performance in, in CPU wise is not that fantastic as compared to what Intel has in the same price points. However, the graphics portion is as good, if not significantly better, at the price point, because I think the only thing from Intel that really competes to it is the Iris Pro, and you're looking at that attached to you know a 4770 type class uh, CPU. So you're looking at 300 bucks, I think, just for the the processor. Um, while with AMD, you do get you know a, a a decent product for 179 that gives you really good graphics and you know a solid quad core. Performance, but what they're really kind of pushing is a lot of value for the uh, for the underlying technology, and this comes in the form of these types of motherboards. Now, the G1 Sniper series from Gigabyte are, are pretty high end. They're they're gamer and enthusiast oriented, and a lot of these products on the Intel side go for two hundred bucks and above. You get one of their high end ones. I think it's it's plus three hundred bucks for the latest. And you get, you know, high end audio, you get the better networking, you get a ton of power phases. You just get all of these things that are packed into a board with the black, green, and uh kind of silver uh color schema. Or is that schema? Whichever you want. Oh thank you. Uh and uh, they had to kind of put this into a much smaller and more cost-effective product. And so that's what we have here is the G1 Sniper A88X. It comes in around 109 bucks. You can buy it online. It has a lot of kind of higher-end features to it, but it's not really a super high-end board. Now, where they really cut down the price is... In terms of a lot of extras, it's still got the the real tech uh, Ethernet instead of you know maybe like one of the uh, the the Qualcomm uh, you know killer Nick or the Intel you know Giggy controllers with the software stack that that goes with this. Instead, it's it just relies primarily on uh, the the properties of the Southbridge, the I/O controller, and I think that they add. No, they don't even add, you know, a secondary uh, USB 3.0 controller. It's it's kind of what you see is what you get. Mm. The power phase 
delivery, the power delivery system is not as robust as you would expect or would hope for in terms of overclocking, but because Kaveri, the chip that goes in here, is not a great overclocker, it's not something you terribly have to worry about. So it's got a 4 plus 2 phase instead of a higher end like 6 point plus 2 that some of the, uh, the more expensive boards have. But I'll tell you what, there's, there's not that many more expensive boards for this product until, of course, Asus comes around. But I'm pretty sure Gigabyte does not want me to talk about <laughs> that at the moment. So let me, let, me ask, let me ask you something. Do you think – I think we might have talked about this after Computex. Is there a, is there a place in the AMD market for high-end FM2 motherboards, though? No. You simply will not be able to sell a $200 plus motherboard for FM2 when your highest end processor is at retail without any kind of special or sale going on, which is pretty much all the time, right. is 179 bucks. So you're not going to purchase a motherboard that is more expensive than the processor, especially when you start looking at the Intel side, when you can get a cheap Z97, add that in with $150 uh, to $180 uh, chip, and you'll get a lot better CPU performance and a better gaming platform if you add in a, a uh, standalone graphics card. Uh, so AMD is really constrained with what right. they can do and their partners uh, even more so. And so this is what we kind of get is, you know, it is more enthusiast aimed in terms of the styling, but it doesn't give you a whole lot of features. Now, the one thing that they really, really pushed is that of the audio. And this is the one thing that they succeeded very, very well in. Um, as you know, audio is getting kind of hot again, and interestingly so. Um, people do expect a little bit better sound from um, motherboards. People are buying fewer and fewer standalone sound cards. And uh, this is an area where they think that um, there's going to be some interest in. So, of course, the, the features they have is it's, uh, you know, it's separated from the rest of the PCB physically, so it only has certain points of connection that are highly filtered. So things like ring, uh, interference from other high-speed parts on the, uh, the power and ground circuits will be filtered out, and you get the best sound possible. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh. No, oh, okay. he switched the wrong, the wrong shot on that, but... The Bad can. Bad can. Uh, you know, it's got, it's, it still uses a real tech codec. Okay, but it's one of the higher end versions with uh, like a signal to noise ratio of like 109 decibel. Um, it's all lots of you know gold plating in the connections. Uh, it's got higher end caps uh, than what you would usually see. So power supplied and uh, to the chip. Because if you know how signals work, the higher the signal, not the higher, but the, the, the more, I don't know, what's the frequency? Uh, amplitude. Amplitude. Oh, okay. I got of you. a signal will require more power. And sometimes you can get some clipping and whatnot because uh, the capacitors just kind of run out of power in there in these certain signals. And uh, they're hoping to get around this by, you know, larger caps. And, uh, you know, better quality ones. And finally, the last thing that they did is you have a swappable op-amp. Now, some years ago, I did some testing 
with a standalone sound card that you could swap out the op amps and you could really change the color of the sound. I know that sounds strange, but it's true. Uh, change the color of the sound coming like, to you by is it like swapping. changing the colors of the wind. Exactly. Or, or changing the, or the, the, the colors sound of the background of the PC Perspective Studio. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, no, I've been, no, I've been taking happens. a lot of mushrooms lately. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been seeing <laughs> That's colors. That's where this review came from. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. We'll have to get you some more of that. Yes. Um, so who buys it? Who wants, who wants this card? This, you know, I'm, I'm, that's a good question. Uh, people who want good we'll sound, answer. not spend a whole lot of money. Uh, probably those who just are willing to use the integrated graphics who may think later on possibly go up with a mid-range video card to add into this to make it a decent gaming system because this is one of the main reasons that, well, maybe not one of the main reasons, but it certainly is a reason that AMD is pushing Mantle. Mantle allows gaming cards and whatnot to perform better even on a lower-powered CPU. Now, AMD is really pushing HSA. Unfortunately, we don't have a killer app yet for HSA. But if you really look at the potential performance of a Kaveri APU, uh, the floating point performance is outstanding as compared to pretty much everything else out there. Uh, I mean, they, they, they sacrificed one-third of the die. In fact, no, it's 50% of the die right. to graphics. We, we, I mean, we've talked about, oh, we've talked about Kaveri before. Like, we know oh, what it is. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I mean, so, you know, the potential there is, is huge. It sucks, um, it sucks for their partners that all these boards depend on that, right? It kind of does. Making a board with the Sniper brand, which yeah. is obviously an enthusiast brand, is going to be a struggle. So. Yeah, but it's 109 bucks. So overall, it's a, it's a good board. Yeah. I mean, yep. it overclocks okay, but I mean, you're not expecting huge out of Kaveri. The package is very, very minimal. Uh, you can read the article and uh, see all the rest of the features. Again, the sound is the biggest thing, uh, but I don't know if one, you've ever noticed one, this, One last Ryan, question but, for you. Hold on. I got one last question for you. How many okay. SATA cables does it come with? Yes. It comes with four, I believe. Oh. Adequate. Okay. Adequate. Adequate. Yeah. But have you Check. seen Five how stars. skinny... These motherboard manuals are getting. They don't even need like, to really come it's a, with. It's one. a pamphlet. Who yeah. reads a manual? That's a dead tree. <laughs> it's like one one hundredth of War and Peace, if even that. PDF, baby. They, well, yeah, they many, it's, it's out of date as soon as you get it, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like the driver it's CD. It's like why putting driver. Yeah, I yeah. complain all the time about that. First of all, they should put it on USB drives. That's true too. Thumb drives instead of CDs. Yeah, uh, because I don't even put it. I don't have an optical drive in any of my systems anymore. Yeah. But the driver CD mm. is out of date. Like as they're putting it in the box at yeah. the factory. It's That's even. It's even yeah, more that, funny. That was with a bad thing cards. about this board. Is uh, most of the people who are getting it from distributors and uh, like guys like Newegg, they've got the previous BIOS that does not support the very processor. Whoops. So they have to somehow get an earlier Richland APU. That oh, that's horrible. Watch it. Yeah. yeah. That's really so that's, that's a knock. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I want to so- talk about something else off topic here. Well, off. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this anymore. I don't want to talk about that motherboard anymore. <laughs> We're done talking about that motherboard. And instead, I, I, I think um, a lot of people have questions. I know when we did um, – when the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One came out, yep. in particular the PlayStation 4, you could replace the drive in it. Mm-hmm. It came with a standard. Uh, was it a fifty-four hundred or seventy-two? It was a fifty-four hundred RPM drive, and we had just reviewed a hybrid 
Yes. 5400 RPM drive from Seagate. Right. At and the time. We, we tested that and we tested uh, an SSD to like, kind of see how low uh, game installs or boot times or yeah. loading performance or level performance would change. And we get a lot of questions all the time still today about hybrid hard drives for a desktop. Yep. And we reviewed one uh, this week. You did. This it's is a, hybrid a hard drive Seagate a SSHD. Yep. Four terabytes. So it's a four terabyte hard drive with what attached? So like the other Seagate uh, hybrid models, which previous to this were all two and a half inch drives. Right. Right. They were all meant for laptops, mobile computing, that kind of thing. Um, this guy is basically the same exact controller technology, flash memory. Everything is almost identical. Okay. It's just grafted into a larger desktop class hard drive. What capacity of the SSD are we talking about? That's what the problem was that we discovered in this review. Uh, it's still only 8 gig of cache. So basically, it's mm. a, a 8 gig single flash package. Now, right here. for stuff that's inside that package, it acts more like an SSD, right? Uh, but the key is... So what test can I show them that will indicate the best case performance? Uh, best case, you could look at the um, PC Mark stuff. Okay. Uh, that we did, we did repeated runs of PC Mark, which is really the only easy way to test caching, because you're trying to evaluate. You know, if you run any kind of a synthetic benchmark, it's testing the whole drive, it's, right. or it's you know, or it's just not a, a consistent kind of thing where you can do repeatable things. Sure. Whereas a hybrid drive excels at doing repeatable things quickly. Right. So is the is the base performance of the hard drive in line with other four terabyte drives yes. that we've seen? Yeah, so it's a good, at minimum you're getting that. At minimum you're getting desktop class hard okay. drive performance, right? right. Uh, but the problem is now you're in desktop space. So you're doing things like installing games that are probably going to be larger than a game that you might install on a laptop. Right. Right. So we installed Battlefield 4. Yep. So we did Battlefield 4 uh, and as simple as, as simple a task as installing Battlefield 4 and then playing it once or twice. Mm -hmm. uh, and actually, we weren't like playing the so, whole game. We were just loading a level. We have this graph on here, and it's a little yeah. bit complicated. If you read the review that he wrote, there's a big discussion about what it is. But give us a quick outline. Like right. the, blue the blue line is your boot, your boot time for a solid-state drive. And just like a, a base level, solid like a base state level, drive. then actually not even that not quick of one. Okay, right. Uh, the red lines there are boot times where the operating system was on this SSHD. Okay, and then when you skip to the green lines that are kind of intermixed there, that's us firing up Battlefield Four directly loading into a map. Yeah, and, and it, we launched it, and we did. How long does it take to launch the game and go straight into a map to the point where you can escape the so the, the first scene? The first thing we see is that red line here, where the first boot time. Yeah, the, so the first time we tried to boot the operating system on this SSHD, it was basically pure hard drive because we had just cloned the operating right. system over, right? So that's how long it was going to take you to boot if it was just a hard drive, or at least pretty close to it. Sure, probably. Uh, and then if you notice, we we rebooted a couple of times, and it pretty much kind of eventually gets down to SSD speed, hmm. right? It's pretty quick. The problem was that then we want to, you know, do a game install. No, this is not then, installing it. This was just lo loading up the game. It well, had already we, but, been installed. No, we did the install. And this first iteration? Yeah, the first one was an install. Okay. Yeah. We did the install, and then we fired up the game for the first time. There you have it. It's like kind so of a long time. So it took 52.6 seconds to load up the first, this, this particular this, this particular map. map. Yes. And then we exited out of the game and tried it again. And it took 37.3 seconds. Right. Which is 
probably around how long it would take on that system to boot up or to load that game on an SSD. Okay. Okay. Uh, and it kind of repeats that. But the problem was that merely by installing the game, we, ca- we caused some of the operating system stuff to roll out of the cache because the cache is only 8 gig, mm-hmm. and that's not a lot of space compared to the game, right? The game right. itself is, what's the, like the total... I think Battlefield 4 is like 40 gigs, 38 gigs. Right, so you've got a, you've got a like 40 gigabyte game, and the cache is only 8 gig. Now, granted, you're not loading the entire game every single time, but you're loading enough of it to cause the other stuff to get pushed out, and the whole purpose of the cache is so that when you hopefully go back and reboot your system, you still get a fast boot time, mm-hmm. but we weren't, is the thing. And then just by rebooting, we then subsequently got a slow, slower game load time after right. we rebooted, because, again, the drive tried to cache that. And then at the end, we saw this kind of oscillation. Yeah, and then after, we, well. after we did that enough times, the drive kind of got a little confused a couple of times. Uh, wasn't really bad, but there was one time where it, like we repeated it a few times in a row, the boot time, and it actually was like kind of slow. In the so, middle. I mean, what does this indicate that hybrid hybrid hard drives are just a bad idea? No, not at all. Um, it's just that hybrid hard drives with a cache that's too small for what you're doing okay. is a bad idea. You so, need to, if you have a if you have a four terabyte drive and you use Intel's um, SRT, yeah, the SRT caching the. Um, they have RST and SRT, so I know, like it's, it it's very confusing. But it's um, basically a caching. Uh, you, you put your own SSD in there. Yeah, you connect your own SSD. Too many TLAs. I'm getting overload here. <laughs> <laughs> Three letter acronym. SSD, RST, TSR, TSA. So, so here's the thing. This drive runs. This drive runs at like a thirty dollar premium over a standard four terabyte drive. Okay. Okay. So you can take that thirty bucks. And kind of put it towards, assuming you have a system that can do this SRT caching, mm-hmm. with, and, which is the past now three generations of Intel motherboards, or at least the, the decent spec desktop motherboards. Uh, chances are you probably have this ability. Um, you take that 30 bucks that you save by just buying a standard drive, and you buy something like, maybe your motherboard has an MSATA port, so we just reviewed like a Plexter MSATA drive. Or you just buy a standard 2.5 inch 30 gig, uh, 40 gig. 30 gig, 40 gig, maybe 60 gig if you find a good deal, that yeah. kind of thing. doesn't have to be a blazing fast drive, but you, the, the, basically the bigger the better up to 64 gig because that's the limit for the SRT. Mm. Like it just won't work higher than 64 gig. Um, you do that, you connect it, and now you have the same effect as what this drive does, except you're but doing you it yourself. you have less roll-off. You have the less chance that things are going to roll. less roll-off. Yeah, if you can do 64 gig compared to 8 gig, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Chances are, I mean, the whole entirety of Battlefield 4 and the Windows operating system install can fit within 64 gig. If those are the only two things you're doing, chances are it's all in the cache. Yeah. Right. David, I'm curious. Do you do, do, you do video edit? You do a lot of video editing with your YouTube videos. Are you doing a lot of that stuff uh, yourself personally? I mean, I'm keeping, I do, I do a lot of editing and I did a lot of editing with the, with the film. Um, not so much with the YouTube stuff because I just try to keep that simple. But you, I, I mean, my, I, I mean, I'm such a snob on this stuff now. I'm just SSD. I, I just. But it's I'm, your computer, I'm, right? It's your computer that you're doing it on. Like you. Yeah, I'm you may not be MacBook, tweaking so. and editing and stuff, but you're just on a MacBook with an SSD. Actually, weren't you on a MacBook with an SSD a couple of years ago? Yeah, I've got the new one. <laughs> oh, there you go. Now you're going a faster um, SSD. Yeah, it's. I, I, I just the hard drives. There's something that I find offensive about the whole spitting platter thing. I just. I feel like we should be so far beyond that now. It's rust, uh, man. It's just rust. <laughs> it feels too much like a record player. 
It does. I, it does. It, I keep. I always think of that Fisher Price uh, record player that had the little things that would. That oh, would that's, play. that's perfect. Oh, that's yeah. that is think, totally think, it. Think, think. Because invariably, <laughs> that's what happens. I end up with these 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 bloody drives that I've spent a fortune on, and and they're just you know they're they're not even paperweights. You have you still have to put a nail through them to make sure no one's going to steal your film when you throw them out. I mean, it's so I'm. You know, I, look, I love the idea of, of hybrid drives simply because it'll, I'm hoping it'll drive the cost of, of, of true SSDs down. Yeah. I, it's, it's funny because we – anytime – like the very first thing, if we if – if Intel sends us a system for a review or a builder sends us a system for a review or we got – we get like something like a, a Sony TAP21, which is an all-in-one computer. Yep. Right? It's essentially an ultrabook hardware inside, a 27-inch screen, 1080p, whatever. And the very first thing you do when you turn it on is you go – I mean, it's taken forever. I bet this has a standard hard drive in it. And it and sure does. Sure enough, like that's the first thing you notice about it. It's an immediate turnoff to that product yeah. and to that whole. You can't go back after. It. You no, just you can't, can't do it. Yeah, you, you just can't. You cannot do it. And so every and then they make it worse by it being cheap and putting it in a fifty-four hundred RPM drive. Yeah. Oh, it's green. It's a green uh, drive. Yeah, yeah I'm with the green drives. That's only good for mass storage stuff. You're just putting right. a bunch of so, files I mean, on it. We have we have you know backup machines here that yep. are are, are uh, you know. Pegasus four four bay that have three terabyte drives in them yep. that we use for backing up of all the video that we're editing. But anytime anything we're actually actively editing, it is done on an SSD. If mm. you have to scrub through 1080p video uh, in a timeline in Premiere on a hard drive, it's just it's painful. Ken 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 had to do that. <laughs> And we and even we tried RAID hard drives for a while, and it's I kept breaking painful. that. It's still painful. Oh my god, the RAIDs! I had so many problems with the RAIDs. I've just had yes, thank I, you. just disasters with those things. And Ryan, <laughs> Ryan has very bad luck. <laughs> you we, and Ryan both. We're, Ryan. Like, we're like brothers. Then I I broke so many RAID arrays. I've, I've had to do I've, I've had to do forensic data recovery of Ryan's yeah. RAIDs in the past. It's, it's my superpower is destroying RAIDs. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> my superpower amazing. is fixing them. Nice. There, you go. there you go. So, yeah, I think, I think we actually talked about that. I think when we this did. happened, I think we actually discussed you possibly <laughs> going through yes. doing that because I, I just – it drove me crazy. No, I'm – it feels – even just backing up to hard drives, I just go like, I'm going to back up to a hard drive? Like, they're the things that fail all the time. Like, <laughs> yeah. Back up to many hard drives. Yes. Well, that's it. <clears throat> I mean, look, the thing – another thing in that Google book that I really enjoyed was the way they – when they first started up, they created their system – to work with like crappy repurposed drives, yes. like their entire operating, you know, their whole their their entire network of drives was designed to fail. They put they put uh, out uh, they put out a very very interesting white paper years back on data failure rates, data failure rates, like a bunch of statistical data on failure rates from different different vendors and what temperature uh, how temperature affected them and how you know infant mortality, like if they failed early or if they failed late, that sort of thing. Uh, just a, a, an insane amount of statistics. When you go through millions of hard drives, you right. probably get some pretty good yeah. statistics. And, and they put out this just very educational white paper on it. It's just like, I and forget I what just, the title I love, is. I know, yeah. Yeah, and I know everyone, you know, they're evil and all the rest of it. I love them. I just, I, I just, they are so, <laughs> they love data. Yeah, they do they good just, stuff with it. And it's like, they go, ooh, look at this, look at this. And they sort of throw this stuff out there. And I, I just... If, if they ever yeah. actually prove that Google is, is, is a completely evil company, I'm totally screwed because everything I do from That's my true. phone to our emails oh, yeah. to too. our I'm, – I'm done yeah. for. So just get used I, to being evil, right? It's an easy well, that's solution. it. I figure like if, it's, if they're evil, then fine. I'm a stormtrooper. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> means there. we can't aim and we're going to die early. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Well, we do that. We get yeah. to get off 20 shots, miss everybody, and get hit in the chest once, and, and the armor is useless. And, and you, you don't on. shoot first. 
You always shoot first. Not the stormtroopers. Yeah, you got to. Storm it's the only chance you got. First. That's true. Storm no, a couple of shots off the clouds always, yeah, first. They have to take out the first layer first before they. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like revolutionary war tactics. Pretty much. <laughs> you guys go first. That's right. <laughs> um, let's see. We got a couple other news stories we're going to get through here. I, I did update. We we talked about the Titan Z review that I posted last week. Uh, Three thousand dollar video card. Uh, it came up in our discussion with Richard Huddy as well yesterday. Uh, we I had some requests for overclocking testing and looking at um, uh, some other aspects of like, can you overclock it and what does that do to clock speeds? And we we found some interesting information. Right, I knew immediately that the clock speed variance with this card was going to be a little bit higher than other NVIDIA cards. And if you look at this graph here, uh, there's four different metrics that we're showing. There's a green line, which is the Titan Z at bone stock, right? This is out of the box. This is what we got. Uh, and then as you move up the line, blue, yellow to red, it's us changing settings a little bit to overclock. Um, so at stock settings, the clock rates kind of circulated. You know, they started at about 1,000 megahertz, and they kind of went down to as low as I think that's like 780 or so, and then uh, averaged out at, uh, I believe it was 794. No, I'm sorry, 894. I'll have to look again. But you can kind of see here where the kind of general trend of this is. If you increase the amount of power that the card is allowed to use by just 12%, you get the blue line, which is much, much higher up there in terms of its average clock speed and thus in performance that you get. And in fact, if you look at uh, the second graph here that shows those average clock speeds, you'll see that the, the green line is stock again. 894 megahertz was your average clock. Uh, just you know, not even changing any of the clock speed settings, but changing the power settings uh, to get, allow it to use more power by 12%, you got a full 100 megahertz frequency increase on uh, the Titan Z, which obviously is going to equate to quite a bit of performance increase. And then our highest overclock is we were able to hit an average clock speed of 1,074. To be fair, at that clock speed, fan speeds, very high, very loud. Yeah. Um, probably. Yeah, but, but, but what about Are you going to kill it? Isn't the variance uh, when you start going higher, it, it decreased significantly? And so you've got a more compressed yeah. graph, which means probably better overall, you know, feeling. So this is all a result of NVIDIA choosing to maintain a, like, sensible PCI Express power draw. Yeah, they like follow the spec. Following the spec of PCI Express, this card has a TDP of 375 watts. Yep. Um, the AMD card of the same caliber essentially has a TDP of 500 watts. So that's a that's a dramatic difference. Mm-hmm. That's and, a space heater. Yeah. If you if you push if you allow the Titan Z to get up to 500 watts, it can get close to the performance of the 295 X2, but it's still twice the price and it's louder. Yeah. And because they're using an air cooler and AMD is using a water cooler, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot of different you know, back and forth on what they decided to do. Now, the problem is, actually, this graph here, if you look at Metro Last Light at 4K, you'll see here that the Titan Z at stock, which is the black line, versus the Titan Z at overclocked, which is the green line, it, it essentially catches the 295X2. This is just one game, but it, it, did, it did a very good job of that. Now, I posted this big, long update because people in comments are people on the Internet, so they don't understand things a lot of times. And uh, they started to complain about, well, you... You railed on AMD over the last two years mm-hmm. for having a variable clock speed, like uh, with their 290 and 290X, and you didn't, you weren't mad at Nvidia for doing the same thing. And the difference is, Nvidia uh, advertises the clock speed of the Titan Z as 
within this range. Yep. Right? They tell you, here's our base, and the clock speed never gets down to the base. And here's our expected boost clock. So they're exceeding their They're range. actually exceeding their expected boost clock by about 20 megahertz. Right. So it's right there in line. Whereas what AMD did when they first launched the 290X was they said, the clock speed is 1 gigahertz, up to 1 gigahertz. And it actually... And it actually ran closer to 800 yeah. almost all of the time. Yep. And so my complaint there was that if it's going to do that, that's fine, but you need to define that up front. What number it will never go below and what number we should expect to see it at. Yep. Up to is a worthless statistic. I think Intel did it best with their base and their boost. It's pretty damn honest. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and NVIDIA exactly. did that as well with, with theirs, right? Um, and there's a little bit of variance card to card, but um, at least they're being kind of upfront about it. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was an interesting thing. And also, if you look at that graph with the green line versus the red, yellow, and blue, the green line, the fact that the clock speed is going up and down, even though it's within spec, will cause more jitter and stutter in the gaming yeah. experience because frames are fundamentally being rendered at different rates at different time periods because, you know, within a few seconds, you are jumping from a clock speed here of 780 and you're within 20, 30 seconds, you're up to 900 something. Yeah, so that's going to change the frame rate. Yeah. Yeah. It almost looks like they're just kind of being a little too conservative trying to dial back that power use. They are. They're trying and, to stay within that spec you know, of 375. And, and it just got it to the point where it caused it to vary more than you usually see it vary. So as soon as you even tweak just the, the minimum power, right, that was enough to bring it right up to a, a I, narrow I feel like line. this is the first real example of what GPU boost was designed to do. Yeah. Right. What it was designed to give you best performance possible within a power envelope. Yep. And well, the other cards it. were, you know, the power envelope was much lower yeah. and, and the coolers were able to keep the GPUs at a level that it did wasn't really an issue. Right. Uh, David, do you yeah, have any how does it work for, when you're running that fast? And when you start pushing these things as far as you can push them, what, you know, what, what, is the, the, what are the consequences there? I mean, obviously heat, but is it, I mean, can you run these things at that speed all the time and just not worry about it? Or? At the overclock speed or at the, at the yeah. stock speed? At the overclock speed. You, you can. I was able to run. Uh, I don't want to say for indefinite, but I reran this for about 45 minutes at the overclock speed. Yeah. And it was stable. The, 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 the drawback is power consumption, heat mm. generated, right? So turning your room into a sauna and noise, right? So the, the Titan Z has a single center mounted fan. Yeah. that has to cool those two massive heat sinks over those two very large GPUs. And so it right. has to spend. You have one, damn quick. You have one fan about that big around, yeah, and it's cooling 500 watts. Right. Whereas on the so AMG, if you're going to overclock like that, then you're going to need more than you're going to need more than the stock for that. Then yeah, and AVGA actually sells a version of the Titan Z that has a water block that has on a it. water block built on. Yeah. Now you have to. It's a. It's not like a custom ready to go. Yeah, you have to have a system with a radiator a and a yeah. pump and stuff like yeah. that. See, this is the stuff barbs. I miss Don't so much. Barbs. Like I just, I'm like, this is the problem with having Max. That's true. You, you know, you wait, and if, you, if you open up your laptop, can you put a 500 watt video card inside? Mm. I can pour water on it. I can <laughs> that. And I'll right the bucket, the bucket's almost empty. In there, but hurry up, finish the level. That. Maybe if we try I have super cooled isopropyl alcohol, I can I can cool this damn thing. Yeah, right. that's true. Go to go to but the grocery the store. I just I used to. I mean, this is the stuff I'm. I like. I miss. I remember like sort of going on College Street in Toronto. Used to be just all the all the little sort of shops that sold all the little bits and pieces for these things, and just going in and spending way too much money trying different things. And and I mean, when, I remember like overclocking. You know, you'd overclock the CPU, and and basically you 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 just burn a hole in the board. Well, yeah. 
Nowadays, nowadays on the video cards, I mean, it used to be where if you overclocked them too far, you got like weird like artifacts and like you know polygons would be drawn in the wrong places. That's not so much now anymore, right? It, it'll still happen. Like that's that's the artifacting you see before your system crashes. Like if you are yeah. overclocking to a point where it's right on the edge, right. you'll see artifacting, you'll see textures tearing. Yeah, but um, no, like with these cards, though, I guess my point is like it's kind of more of a thermal thing now. It's like more of a like you can only. Like on the Titan Z, right? Mm-hmm. You were you were basically pushing it until like it was really drawing like 500 watts. Yep. Right. So well, if we kind of think about you know these massive CPUs and GPUs, is that any small point of failure will cause that to fail. Yeah. And unlike perhaps you know older uh, ASICs that you can keep pumping power and power and power to it, and it won't fail, won't fail, won't fail, and then suddenly you're well past the, the thermal specifications of you know something like in the 1980s that didn't have a heat sink on it. Right. It mm. just was the plastic cover yeah. that was dissipating heat. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, now we, we do have try with, that with finer processes and better cooling, when something fails, it's not going to burn a hole. Well, and it, yeah, and it's, it's sort of a more accepted practice now, isn't it? I mean, it's, uh, back, back in the day, it was, you know, it truly was people you know, pushing the, the, the chips beyond what they were ever meant to do. Oh, man. I mean, they're buying crystals to stink and increase the clock speed by I remember you know, that. Yeah. three yeah, megahertz. That. Yeah. Three megahertz? My, my no, three hertz. Hey, three megahertz was good when you were only running at 12. Yeah, 10 to 12. That's a 25% yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, back then you had to work at it. It was yeah. not, you just fire up the UFVI BIOS and go, boop, yeah. okay, and now you I'm just change now. Yeah, now you just change a couple of numbers. Jeremy, it's called progress. That's, that's, that's true. That's true. Get off, my, Get off lawn. my lawn. Yeah, there's a line. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I had to buy a graphite pencil to do traces. No, I had to do that, too. That's not that's that true. Bad. Yeah, I was yeah. there. Uh, at E3, uh, there was a project uh, that apparently leaked out or came out called a Steam Boy. Which is interesting. I still am not 100% sure it's a real thing. Is this a Flavor Flav product? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a giant clock where... Steam Boy! <laughs> the idea is oh, a... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a handheld steam box. Steam machine. Which will probably happen at some point. I hope it's real. It looks very pretty. It does. It does. But and if you're going to call it Steam Boy, it should have a wrist strap on it. What? Pip boy? <laughs> oh. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. Uh, so if you look at this picture, this mock-up, really, it's got those. Um, what do we call them? The, 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 the blue touch- and the red, the blue and the orange portals no, for the, your fingers. The touchpads. <laughs> right? Gabe's nipples. Yeah. So they're, they're the same <laughs> haptic touchpads that exist on the Steam controller today. That doesn't actually exist. It's only in prototype form. Yeah. Um, that Ken and I got to use when we went to CES. It was actually pretty cool to use it uh and it obviously has you've got some arrow buttons you've got your x y a b buttons as if you were on an xbox um and this was apparently using a quad core x86 processor four gigs of ram and 32 gigs of built-in storage but in terms of other information not really much else here this kind of reminds me of like a an nvidia shield competitor device sure because you know how successful that was. Yeah, that's true. They are having do, to give them away. Do you think this can exist and be an interesting product and not just be uh, like doing the Steam like home network streaming stuff? Like, well, can, 
I can see one usage for it. Uh, because that middle part is a touch screen, uh, you put in the Steam Big Picture. And so this just becomes an entire controller for your TV, which means that unlike certain other portable gaming consoles, which sort of had a touchpad, which was part of your controls and a screen, this one might actually work if they sort of could pull that off. Yeah, I could see that. Hmm. So an incredibly expensive remote. I see. Yeah, it's an incredibly expensive With 32 gigs of memory. Control. Do you know how many presets I can put on that, son of a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Mice ship with that nowadays. That's true. I love the idea. <clears throat> I have almost little... I have, I have an incredibly low amount of confidence that will ever be released as a product. Yeah. It's so... It's, yeah, it's, it's I, like trying to hit the mainstream with that. I, I just... It seems, it seems really niche to me. It's, it is niche of niche. Linux that's, that's, gaming, yeah. now mobile Linux it's, gaming. It's niche of niche following on the Wii stuff. Yeah. That didn't, yeah. I don't know. Still, yeah. Still need to buy Mario Kart 8. Um, A couple of storage things. Yeah. Uh, Tech Report, they're doing this really good series of stories where they're taking SSDs and they're basically writing data to them. For forever, all day, every day, yes. until they die. Until yes. they die, on and purpose. Checking in on them, they're killing them occasionally. So, so they're not even doing firmware upgrades to make this die. They're just writing to them. Yes, to die. Yes, they're not trying to kill them like by doing the things you normally hammers. You know, hammers and yeah, that kind of <laughs> stuff. No, they're just like imagine if you actually used because there was this argument. Uh, or just a like conjecture or whatever have you? You always see these guys actually when we talk about like uh, we see them a lot of times in our SSD reviews. Mm-hmm. People will occasionally pipe in and they'll be like, "Oh, these things just fail all the time, and they, you know, the flash burns out too fast and all this other stuff." So, tech like report, Jeremy. tech report, we gotta hand it to them. They're just like, "Well, let's just try to take a handful of the common capacity that people use." So they grabbed like one from each vendor, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, 240 to 256 gig, just in that window of capacity, which is the most popular size that people tend to buy. Uh, and they just started just beating the crap out of them. Just well, so right. they're, they're they're combined in a system, you know, and they're and they're just having data. There's like to three separate systems, yeah. I think, uh, and there's like a pair of drives per system. I think that's how. And they're writing like the wind. Yeah, they're just writing continuously. Yeah. So he's been doing this for months and months now. And so where are we at? Now Years. They are, now they are a at, year from when they started this. So these are 250 gigabyte drives. They have written, now written 1,000 terabytes to them. That seems okay? reasonable. So just over and over. Now realize these drives are not rated for this at all. Hmm. Like what are they? What what like if you took a typical one, what would it be? You're rated talking at? like 600 range if you're lucky. 600 terabytes. Like that's probably that's where the it's, highest in. If you go just based on like. What it's supposed to do, mm-hmm. like what mm-hmm. it's you know. Oh, it's not even that. It's it's something I, like yeah, four hundred. It depends on it depends on which one, right? Read, right. Yeah, because um, they actually had like a triple L cell drive in there that you just shocked would go that far, hmm. right? Um, that was the Samsung. So two of them died at about seven hundred terabytes. Is that am I reading this? Correct? Yeah, they, they lost a couple of them, uh, and then actually they lost another like another one died like right before the. And then right the Corsair the Neutron GTX didn't die, but its performance dropped considerably. Uh, yeah, it started doing weird stuff. And actually, I think that's the Sandforce drive mm-hmm. as well. So it has a little bit of a benefit in that it's compressing data. So oh, right. Okay. It, its yep. flash probably has not seen a full I thought the Neutron GTX was that uh, SA data or whoever, that other controller. Because they the, the Sandforce were one? the two... 
um, what, K- Kingston? Was it the Kingston's what the Sandforce? Yeah, the, the 3Ks? Kingston was Sandforce. Yeah, they're yeah, saying they here the, the Kingston HyperX 3K was able to reach one petabyte written, uh, though only 200, 716 terabytes of actual okay, writes. Okay, yeah, that's the one with the Sandforce, isn't it? Only yeah, 716 terabytes. Yeah, only 716 terabytes. Okay, so realize that this is like, this is thousands of times of like filling the entire drive up. Mm-hmm. So if you have this in your computer, like he's been doing this for, I mean, going on a year almost. Yeah. Right? And yeah, so that's, if you're just, that's like Jeremy downloading RedTube day in oh, and yeah, day out. I, I go through this constantly. Every day, all day. So, so, I mean, it's basically you're writing to the drive at full speed, which on these drives is, you know, several hundred megabytes per second. Like, where are you going to get data? Like, if you're just a home user, you're just on your laptop. Yeah. Where are you going to get stuff? That's what the internets are for, Al. <laughs> you can't get... You, you can always find me- it. You know, I don't think you have an internet connection that that will let you download 200 yeah. megabytes. So, so if you second. have like a 50 I megabit... Might hit the usage cap, yeah. How about this? You have a 100 megabit crazy speed internet, right? If you're downloading at full speed, that's 12 megabytes per second. He's writing at like several hundred per second. Mm. Continuously. 24-7. So do you, right? are you, do you think then that this report shows that Again, this is, this is spot checking. It's one drive from each of these brands, but it's many brands. Yeah. SSD is more reliable than people think. Well, first of all, if you're going off of the, the spec of how long they're supposed to last versus how long they are actually lasting in practice, mm-hmm. they're lasting much longer, clearly. Mm-hmm. Right. But how could um, they not? I mean, how, like, I don't understand how they even still get compared to hard drives. Like, it just doesn't. I mean, I don't understand why they. Well, why, People, the assumption isn't that they would last a long. penny a gig or fifty cents a gig. The, so, well, the, that's the difference. Yeah, there's there's the cost thing. People assume that if they're going to spend so much more on something that they just wanted to, like the assumption is it's just going to last forever. It's solid yeah. state. It should never burn out, right? Right. And flash memory actually does burn out because yeah. every time you go to do an erase, you're actually doing like this quantum tunneling thing where you're just blowing electrons into a like across a piece of silicon. And it's electromigration. Yeah. It's all kinds of yeah. interesting sub. You, you know, yeah, there's all kinds of like quantum mechanical stuff that goes on to just erase two kilobytes of data on an SSD. It's actually kind of mm. cool, all the stuff that goes on. But you're doing that over and over again. You're basically moving current through something that's supposed to be an insulator. It's not happy about that, right? You can only do that so many times before you start burning things out. So these things can do that several thousand times in a row for all of these little tiny cells, and they can still retain data for, you know, he actually does a, a longevity test. So the, the truth is, like, the SSDs are dying slowly over time. It's a matter they of do. how slowly it's and whether or not slow. it actually affects the end user. Yeah, and, and the reality like when is... When do we trade up? Like, when do we, when do we get rid of our... Does this tell us when we get rid of our SSDs? Like, when do I have to start, you know, trading them out? As, a per, as just a person sitting at a computer actually making the stuff move around, like it's yeah. not in a server somewhere... Uh, yeah. it's pretty much going to probably last as long as you're alive. Really. If you're physically See, sitting, you know, if you're sitting at the computer and you're the one moving that stuff around, it's probably going to outlast you. If I hate not, to say If you're not purposely way. trying to do something like this. Yeah. Unless you're running a batch thing that just, con- you know, continuously writes to it, it's probably going to outlast the person. Really. And in a um, server environment? Now, and that's... going to see Google, you know, no, stacking their shelves with Yeah, stuff? that's a different story. Because in server environments, you do get drives that are... Um, you know, he was doing like sequential mm-hmm. writes. Uh, in server environments, you get uh, the the type of writing that takes place combined with how flash memory gets written. It, there's a thing called write amplification. So you're actually the flash is being burned out at a faster rate compared to the amount of because data of you're the actually randomness of the writes. Yeah, because of the randomness and how they're they're actually smaller. You're writing smaller chunks of data than the erase block of a flash. 
right? right. So you're actually you're actually blowing away more memory right. to clear space. And not just for. not just not just enterprise. Uh, Clem in the chat room points out you'd have to be able to write constantly for five years to make SSDs usable for surveillance DVRs. That's true, right? There's another use case where the life cycle of an SSD right, right. would matter. Yeah, absolutely. But for surveillance DVRs, you would need an insane amount of streams sur- simultaneously mm-hmm. to constantly be rolling through this drive. If you're recording ro- 20 megabytes a second to, to re- for years, that's fine. Yeah, 20 megabytes a second, it would probably last the full five years easy on just a regular typical consumer cost drive. Very cheap one, right? Um, so yeah, if you're worried about five-year retention, just use it as a cache. It'll suck down however much you're going to stream to it, and then dump it off to tape or to spinning rust. Yeah. Yeah, like, but what if yes. what if you're the IRS and you're trying to save emails? <laughs> yeah, they want. Then you really... buy the one that blows up when you push the button. You buy the one that blows up when you try to read. You accidentally delete emails. specific emails from specific people. That's how you. That's that's. That's the brand of SSD I want, and I yeah. want it to. And then blame quantum tunneling. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was. Qu- I'd like to see that on a congressional committee. Yeah, yeah. Um, is, that's it's coming. You yeah. wait. And all the congressmen would be like quantum tunneling. Oh. Now I'm already falling that one away. <laughs> speaking of uh, server storage. Yeah. Speaking of server stuff, uh, kind of had an editorial slash bone picking, if you will. I guess I don't know. I guess we'd call it, but that's fine. Kind of, sort of, I don't know. Uh, SanDisk wants to buy Fusion IO. Talk about a company that was ahead of its time, but then stayed there. You're talking about Fusion IO. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think a lot of people understand the enormity of the company that is SanDisk. Yes. They're huge. They make SD cards. You see them, yes. You see them as the (laughs) SD card manufacturer. They make so much flash. Yes, like they are a, a very large producer of flash company. Harmony. It might it's not kind of like talking any kind of materials and saying BASF right. is a small company. Right, yeah. it's kind of like that. Siemens, um, right? Yeah. Siemens doesn't make much, and it's yeah. because SanDisk. A lot of the flash that they have made historically has been in all of the flash memory kind of cards, mm-hmm. which people buy an awful lot more even today than they're buying solid state drives full right. of flash memory. Right. Um, so they're they're really big in that. Now SanDisk does make solid state drives. They've kind of moved into that over the past couple of years, um, just because it, who hasn't? Especially since they make Flash, right? But they wanted to buy Fusion IO. Now Fusion IO is a company that's been around since uh, two thousand eight, seven. Yeah, they're fairly recent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they came out well, I mean, and they're they're old for SSD stuff. They're well, that's, they, because that's they true. were charging a big chunk. Okay, as far as I know, from a lot of uh, friends who have worked in 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 you know heavy duty stuff, you know SSD were always they're right around the corner from like two thousand and on. It's going to be right around the corner, and Fusion Iowa was one of the first guys to really have a product, you know, back in the two seven two thousand seven two thousand eight. Yes, that made sense and was for you know these server workloads that they are aimed at. Yes, and it was now. In order to pull that off back then, uh, SSD controllers were nowhere near where they are now, mm-hmm. right? This not is before, to mention NAND. N- not to mention NAND, right? Uh, I mean, NAND still kind of worked the same way. It hasn't really changed in how it yeah, functions. Yeah, but uh, the densities, I mean, they had right. to stack those chips, and they were expensive. Yeah, so what they basically came up with was just a very simple kind of a bridge chip that connects the host operating system to the flash memory, like as direct as you can get it. Basically, you're just talking straight to the flash through some driver, 
mm-hmm. right? Um, all the way to the point of things like wear leveling and uh, you know dealing with write amplification and all those things that usually the controller in an SSD handles and those kinds of things that have been tweaked and optimized and you know over the years for solid state drives for just regular ones. Uh, all of that stuff was handled in the driver for Fusion IO. So you, you kind of walked, walked into it with the presumption that if you want this really fast storage, yes, you can have really fast flash memory storage, but the system connected to it really needs to be a beast because mm-hmm. the CPU is acting like the controller by way of a driver. So the CPU of the, of the host system is actually doing all that. It's almost like a wind modem. I hate to really... Uh-huh. Wind modem. Oh my god, that's I the sudden flashback. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. So wind modems had kind of a disadvantage because they were drawing CPU cycles off of the host system. Yeah. But you could run them in PCI. But you could Instead run them in ISA. Right. So but but it was a faster interface. So there was advantages, but there was a disadvantage, right? Same exact thing applies to Fusion IO, except years ahead of okay. time, right? And it also used RAM resources of the host system as well. It kind of did some like you know, if you have a whole computer at your disposal, why not cache some of the rights and stuff like that? And you know, um, now that looks- yeah, but but if you're going to spend tens of thousands of dollars on an SSD, you're probably going to spend tens of thousands of dollars on the surrounding hardware. Yes, yes, absolutely. Now sure. uh, that kind of really puts them on a huge, big iron kind of. You, you know, it's not like there's not a middle ground, right? You, you're like. If you wanted your web server from a piece of perspective to run on flash memory, mm, okay. you, right. you would probably not consider Fusion I.O. so much because you would have to build an entirely separate chassis Well, sure. just to handle... It puts them at the extreme right? level of the enterprise market. Yeah. You pretty much have to wrap a whole system around yeah. these things. Facebook. Yes. And that's, so and in that's other words, their, you have to build you have to build up the resources to handle the the more flash you have, the more resources you'll need from your own system. Yeah, you actually need more I system think. resources to handle the additional for flash. What Fusion IO had built uh, for the way Fusion IO uh, basically built their how their thing works. Okay. It's, it's kind of like their infrastructure, right? Okay. Now the problem is that still applies today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, th- we have seen new things like this. Yeah, we have seen new things. So uh, I actually, when I saw the release that Fusion IO did, like uh, about a week and a half ago now, they released this Atomic series, which is just a new version of pretty much Same what stuff. they've had before. Uh, and I saw the specs, and I was like, those specs are kind of look familiar to me. And it's basically the same specs as this this little guy, which is uh, Intel P3700 series, which we also reviewed not too long ago. Um, which was launched around the same time as like within a day or two of Fusion IO's announcement, right? Um, this guy uses a new standard. So the controller on this solid-state drive... Handles all the... Handles all of the, the stuff. The things that you would expect the controller to it handle. handle. Like, if you want to write to the flash memory, all the all the host system does is just says, put something at this address, and if it needs to put it on some other flash chip because of wear leveling or whatnot, it's all handled in the controller. Sure. It's all done, right? And not only that, but the interface this, uh, this solid-state drive uses is called uh, NVMe, NVM Express, which is a... Interfa- like a like a controller or a interface standard designed to talk to flash memory with the lowest right, right, right. latency possible, right? So, and the driver for this barely uses any system resources. It is extremely efficient. Everything is really on between. So the point is, is this is a better product for that enterprise level than what Fusion IO creates? Right. You put this. So, you put this in a server. So you, what? You right, have, you have, what's that going for, though? What, what, what is that, that going to say? Way less, less than Fusion IO. Way less actually. than Fusion IO products, actually. <laughs> oh, really? Like, yeah. the, like a quarter to the, an eighth when you consider the, the capacity versus what you're getting. 
right? Huh. Um, and and the, the specs are very, very similar. In fact, this is actually faster in, in probably about half of the specs. Okay. It's pretty much like a neck-and-neck neck sort of so thing, right? What, what does that mean? Involve, what, how does that translate into what is happening with SanDisk? It really kind of makes me scratch my head. So, so, so SanDisk, um, is, as a company, has no um, footprint in this space. I don't believe so. We don't think so. Intel's not going to sell them their storage division. Division? No, no. Intel's right. not going to let them. Uh, what other companies existed that were There's, in the super high end flash market? There was, you could maybe kind of go to OCZ. Kind of OCZ. Kind of, but they just got bought by Toshiba. They not did. Too long ago. So they're already snatched up by a flash memory right. maker. So if you're, if you're SanDisk, you look at that and you see maybe the problems that Fusion IO has, but you say, we're a mini, mini billion dollar company. Yep. And we can fix that. Right? But they have they're buying a team, they're buying expertise, they're buying WAS and <laughs> they're they're buying patents probably. That's a true as well. That's, yeah. They're, they're buying a software stack that has been pretty effective without having to design an actual ASIC to do all of that. Right? What I would like to see them do with that technology, if they acquire it all, if this deal goes through and everything, is maybe take all those patents and all those algorithms and everything and make it hardware. They could. That would be a pretty darn good controller for an SSD. Yeah. Just in its own right, right? You put a, some kind of a CPU-ish thing and some RAM and you stick it on a board. It, it wouldn't necessarily be as efficient as this, mm-hmm. but it would be a very fast, you know, kind of a product and it would... I mean, you don't think that... You don't... I mean, Fusion IO is not like a written-off company at this point, right? They, I wouldn't they say they're written-off, They can still change no. things. They can do things to improve in the areas where they are... Uh, in a deficit, but if you look at this table in your story, right, 4K random write IOPS, the Fusion IO PX6600 is, is drastically higher than what the Intel has. It is. Okay. But it's kind of cheating with the driver thing. It may be. Yeah. Well, you know. But it is a faster spec. If, yeah. if it's a faster spec and, it's, and you can do that for certain amounts of time, yeah. Facebook likes that. Google likes that. No, that's true. Amazon likes that. So... There, so there, are, the there are the storage biz. Yeah. 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 So, and as long as we can, you know, like slap around shiny things that we can put in our hands, then it's, you know, it's all good. Are you again with that thing, Josh? Well, you know, it kind of looked like yours. I you mean, need to flip put it yours on your, around you and let's put it on your chest. All right, kids, that's enough. It's a little it, mini it looks boom like, box. It looks like he's, he's holding Wally's head. Mm. Oh yeah, like he's torn off Wally's head, and I can't. That's maybe just my. He's listening. I want to. I want to. I wouldn't to put our, it past him. I want to get to our last news story here today. Uh, we're running a little bit today. long today. <laughs> it's almost tomorrow. It's almost so tomorrow. Move on. Um, yeah, I just got the very polite uh, call up from my wife saying, "Gotcha, Hello, darling. Gotcha." Uh, so, Watch Dogs, a game, came out last month. We'll say that. I don't know. Recently. And it, it, it was, uh, it's a good game. It got fairly good reviews. Yep. Interesting graphics. But if you remember when it was announced at E3 in 2012, uh, it had this spectacular visual presentation. Yeah. And yeah. when we saw the game running in person, like when Ken and I went to Montreal for an event and we went to go tour the Ubisoft uh, offices, it, was it not did the same. not look good anymore. Yeah. And uh, like, what, what like happened? That's, that's like, all everybody could talk about. And yeah. we don't really know exactly what happened. But what's well. interesting is hackers, uh, uh, modders, have found a way to <laughs> re-enable the shader paths uh-huh. from the E3 demo in the current game. So you can, you can take a, a, and drastically improve the image quality of the game by enabling 
these particular shader packs. So these guys just tweaked a couple of numbers, basically. Essentially. It was and, a little bit more than an INI hack, but Yeah, and not why, much. why did... So this was, like, it was removed by the game maker. So my guess is that there was performance penalties in some areas. Consoles oh. maybe couldn't handle it in some cases. Though, Jeremy, you may know more than I. Like, the, the indications from the news that I saw was that there wasn't a drastic hit on performance. Uh, and strangely enough, a lot of people are uh, reporting better performance. That's which, so in weird. a way, makes sense because all of a sudden, Shader Paths that were sitting there going, uh, can I do something? You know, you paid money for me. I'm just sort of sitting here. Yeah. Are now enabled. So there are some people that are saying, you know, it, it's actually a little bit smoother in and amongst the eye candy. Right. Um, although they've gone a little bit overboard on the bokeh. Like, like the, some of the screenshots <laughs> I've seen from the depth of field are a little bit crazy when it's a close-up scene. The far you ones can't lose look a bokeh, beautiful. Though. Come on. <laughs> yeah, man. Bokeh's... But there's a screenshot where he's standing on a street, and essentially the only two things you can see are a light post and a mailbox, and everything <laughs> else is kind of blurred with field, depth of field. It's artistic. But, you wouldn't understand, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't understand it, it's art, I've learned over the years. <laughs> okay, so here's the deal. You've got two-thirds of your potential customers running hardware that cannot show that off right. nearly as well. And so those two-thirds the companies behind those products are going to say, you know what? This isn't working for me. You need to turn this down or else we're going to have a problem. It'd be a shame if uh, something theories. were to happen. I, I want to I try this and install it and see. I'm curious if anybody in the, in the chat room has tried it and what they, what they see. Um, do they, do they have to find this stuff themselves? I mean, do they have to dig this, the, these, these things up themselves or was it something that was released by the company? Oh, no. Yeah, this is something that they this found that the company didn't want them to find. Are you so, sure that the company, or at least some programmer within yeah, the company, did true. not talk to their friend who is a modder? Could it, could yeah, it, it does me? seem kind of weird that someone would just well, dig around looking for that kind of stuff. Well, I guess, oh, I guess, I guess you see it looking file. better. I suppose that, no, that makes sense. That They're looking through stuff, and all of a sudden you see a tag that says E3 path. <laughs> or E3 2012, and you're like, well, that's kind of weird. That's What's that in there? What happens if I flag that on instead of that? And all of a sudden, the water looks great. Yeah. Like, what the hell happened here? That's... And then it you know, can p- progress from there. It wouldn't surprise me if like, a developer inside Ubisoft was like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, look in that direction. Right. Yeah. Because they. So otherwise, could you imagine? Like, could you imagine how cool that was if you were the guy who like got in there and then flicked the flag and went, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. That's like my dream. It's Something pretty, like one it's, day I'll, it's I'll, cool I'll trip across for one of those things. Now, I know, I know you said uh, you are in a time crunch. Do you want to stick around for our hardware software picks or do you want to jet? Got like five minutes? Is that, I got like five? Is that Let's the do time? that. We, we can rush through these. Yeah. I, I, cause, quick, quick, quick. I mean, my, my pick is definitely the most important. Where is it? <laughs> my pick is the most important. I like it, that. It Clearly, was in a box. I found this in a box in that office that I need to go through. This is the Microsoft IntelliMouse Explorer. 3.0. I thought it was a Stargate prop. Um, it is. Does it look very ancient? It, no, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> although, I, I'm guessing, what year would you say this mouse came out in? Anybody have an idea? I can't. 2005. Yeah, I would that guess recently? about that. I don't remember that yeah. far back. It's got a good spring. If you can hear it, spring on the mouse buttons is still Because really I've good. got the version before that that the are 2.0? just the tan mice, and they're from 2000, 2002. We were looking for one yeah. of those. Yeah, yeah, I know I have one. Oh, I've, I've still got those. Yeah. I'm going to hook this they're up. They're not tan anymore. They're kind of yellowy, though. Exclusive. Exactly. And It's funny. Yeah. If you look on Amazon, there is one of these is for sale for $68. Sweet. <laughs> Used. Retirement. So keep that in mind. Uh, all right, Jeremy, you're up next. What do you got for us? Uh, well, the only thing better than an Oculus Rift is an Oculus Rift you made yourself. 
especially when it's about half the price as the retail model. Uh, someone's great. put together step by step and posted it, so both the software he used and the hardware that he used, huh. uh, to build an Oculus Rift roll your own at about the same resolution as the one that uh, the Mark One that came out. It's wow. Kind of really freaking neat, and for 150 bucks and some work. I mean, not only do you have a nice project to do, and at the end of it, go, oh, I made this. I you made this. Oculus Rift. Hey, did so he, did he grind the uh, lenses himself? Uh, he found a source for them. Oh, there, nice. There was a place you could just buy. He them, found a kid with. So he's still able to see, having used this device. <laughs> <laughs> did not burn it's out. It's like his Steve eyeballs. Martin in the jerk. You're he's able now, to focus you know, permanently, within, you know, two or three inches of your face. Yeah. Well, someone After was that. telling me that it's amazing as long as you're as long as you're moving in the right trajectory. As soon as you go off the trajectory, that's when the motion sickness apparently hits. Yeah. Well, thankfully, it's strapped to your head, so it might be a little bit better. But uh, Ryan's experienced the motion sickness. Ah, uh, yeah, we have I, one of the first dev kits here, and it's it did not work well with me. Yeah, I'm like, I, it's it's like it's like to me, it's it's like this it's this hideous plague that I've got that basically I can't play half the games I love. Yeah, because I I literally there's a box I have I have the PS3 I have the the Xbox and I have a box of gravel. <laughs> <laughs> and I pop a gravel and, and play the game. Like, it's, you know, my kid equates, new like, meaning on medication with minutes. the game. Yeah. All right. Uh, Josh. Me. You? You know, I like expensive things that I can't afford. Okay. And this is one of them. So, you know, you know, I had that widescreen, really widescreen. It was, except it was, what, 27-something uh, by 1080. Well, this is the bigger brother. It does 1440p. Well, 3440 by 9. It's only a thousand bucks. That's like super widescreen. It's super widescreen. 21 by 9, I think. Yeah. Yeah. A it's thousand dollars. It's like theatrical. Mm. It's out know. of stock. I think I know why because I saw David Hewitt click on the link just about 10 <laughs> seconds ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with a thousand dollars to burn. Yeah, we all got a thousand dollars to burn, which right. is why I'm doing a podcast at ten o'clock at night. <laughs> That's it. Woohoo! Alan, what do you got? Uh, so my pick is going to be uh, kind of a news post as well. I'm going to do a public service announcement. Right? Uh, ours did some story about how guys were hacking uh, NAS boxes to mm-hmm. do to like mine Bitcoin and Dogecoin. Perfect. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's end up. You end up in jail and stuff. So, like, back in January, February, some guy figured out a hack for uh, Synology NAS boxes. And it just basically, like, like a worm-style hack. Mm-hmm. And it just went, like, everywhere. And this guy made over $600 million in Dogecoin over two months. Oh my God. See, we could have bought that monitor. Now, this was from people's, <laughs> this was from people's Synology NAS boxes, which are not super powerful CPUs for yeah, mining. No, Somehow no, no. he made that much money. That means there was a lot of okay. NASs but it's infected. Been Right, that's a lot of nasty. It's baby. been it was yeah, fixed. Nasty. Now here's the thing: it was fixed very quickly by Synology, like w- th- within a week. Right, right. So in February they issued a patch, and now there's been a, even a point release of their software since then. So they were on four point something. Now they're on five point something. Right. But people uh, aren't updating. People aren't updating. Yeah. So the thing is, the things are still infected, and they're still mining. This guy's in jail, making loads of money. The, well, the guy's not. You're not making anything anymore, probably. But like. Update your NAS machine, like with software. He lives software, in Estonia. Right? They don't it's, have, you know. So yeah, I mean, if you have a NAS that faces the internet, potentially, mm-hmm. you have to keep that thing up to date because 
anything that can infect your your computer that Windows issues patches for, Microsoft issues patches for, and Linux issues patches for, and OS ten yeah. everything. All right. It applies to your NAS as well. It's its own computer. You have to update it and keep it secure. David, do you have anything you want to bring up here at the end? You don't have to well, have my, a hardware. I mean, I was just say my too. thing that I just got sucked into was 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 the mantle and the game work stuff. I was just you know, I, I I would advise everyone to go look at those demos because they're just uh, they're rather spectacular, and there's some great stuff um, uh, that I saw about uh, them testing out the, um, the, uh, the the new mantle stuff and just what they could like the number of these. I can't remember who had it, but it, like, it had basically one of these sort of space simulation games. Oh just, yeah, like Star seven thousand different yeah. ships going at the same time and stuff. So for for those for those nerds that like that programming interface thing, that would be mine. That would be my that would be my. That was a cool demo. It was like real time CGI, basically, oh, like just gorgeous. It's cool stuff. Lots yeah. of things happening. Yep. So well, and um, the game work stuff. I mean, the game work stuff. Yeah. I mean, look at that. The face work stuff. I tr- like it, it. You really have to, you know, give it a couple of looks before you go. Oh no, that's I guess that's CG. Uh, yeah. I think in that demo, the guy was bald, though, right? I remember seeing just it. a picture just a little bit ago of a 1995 Gaming Color cover of, you know, next, next, next generation graphics. And you look at this stuff and it's like the Wii first generation <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I mean, we're so far it. beyond that. It's not it. even funny. Yep. The yeah. Uncanny Valley keeps getting a little bit farther away. Yeah. That's true. But it's still there, isn't it? There's still just a oh, little yeah. something. Yeah. Well, David, They're still soap opera actors. <laughs> David, we really appreciate you uh, joining us. Um, for people who, uh, again, we'll, we give a reminder at the beginning, we'll give a reminder at the end. Where is the best place uh, for people to find you and follow you and figure out what you're doing these days? Uh, definitely Twitter is. I'm very good on Twitter. And then if you go to this fanaticland.com, you'll, uh, you'll get taken to, to YouTube. And uh, you can join me on my, on my little D-Geek diaries. Well, good luck with that, uh, and you're welcome back here anytime. And and I hope we didn't we like, didn't bore like you here. with our motherboard discussion. Or- no, no, this is great. This is I love it because it's my excuse to do this 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 homework. So I, I get basically I get to sit down and say, you know, everyone, leave me alone. I gotta I gotta, you gotta geek study out for up so for this very nice important meeting I'm having yes. over Skype. With exactly, these guys. I've got to I've got to be prepared does, for this. Doesn't <laughs> your sister live in Toronto too? She's in Toronto as well. Although she's been she's been driving around a lot recently, she just got her okay. driver's license, which is dangerous for everybody. <laughs> Wait, that should be our warning for the week. Basically, is Jane is Jane? It's my wife. Kate is now driving. So yeah, the QEW will never be the same. Well, I, I, I go up to Markham in Toronto every once in a while, so I'll let you know next time we're out that direction. Yeah, she's uh, careening around the highway. Very good. <laughs> yeah, but again, thank you very much for joining us and everybody else watching. If you want to find us, pcper.com/podcast, pcper.com/live. Uh, and just PCPro.com would be good as well yep. to check out all the stories and news posts that we talked about and wrote about and will continue to write about going forward. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We'll see you next week. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Alan Malentano. And I That's not Alvin Malentano. Yes. We don't care about that. No, we don't care about that. Yeah, that guy's old. Yeah.